You're listening to The Naked Pravda. This is Medusa's first and only English language podcast, so please don't be shy about recommending us to your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in. Welcome to The Naked Pravda. I'm recording this on Friday, July 24th, and I'm your host, Kevin Rothrock, the managing editor of Medusa's English Language Edition. And on today's show, we're going to broach a subject that usually makes my eyes roll. This is something that every single Russia scholar or reporter is asked a thousand times in a year or a day or a week, I don't know. And for the most part, the only answer possible is a big steaming pile of bullshit. The question I'm talking about is this. How does Vladimir Putin see Russia, or the world, or whatever? If you print it out, every article published in the mainstream Western media about Russia, and spread them across a football field, or soccer field, or a large field, and you threw a dart, like a lawn dart, let's say, up into the air. Nine times out of ten, wherever it lands, you'd hit something that grasps at how Vladimir Putin sees things. It's one of those riddles some especially articulate people can do a lot with. But ultimately, everybody's just sort of stabbing in the dark. The longer you're in this field, the more annoying this stuff becomes. That's my, my take. But there are exceptions here. And last week, Medusa published something that sidesteps this sort of speculative nonsense that surrounds most of the how does Vladimir Putin see things question by getting at something more concrete. Polling. Sociological polling surveys. That kind of stuff. So I think that's a much neater approach to this whole question of how Putin sees things. Rather than attempt remote psychology, let's focus on the research that we know informs his policymaking. And that's what a July 16th report by Andrei Pertsev and Maxim Solipov does. It's a deep dive into the secret surveys conducted by Russia's Secret Service, or the Federal Protective Service, a.k.a. the FSO. As always, here on The Naked Pravda, I mention Medusa's reporting because it is a gateway. It's the gateway to today's podcast subject, which is sociology and public opinion polling in Russia today. So on today's show... I'll talk to two sociologists about their field in Russia. But first, let me give you a little context about the FSO secret polling, because it comes up in the conversations you're about to hear. First, for the most part, the general public in Russia is unaware that the FSO, in addition to guarding top state officials, is responsible for conducting sociological surveys and monitoring popular opinion and the country's political situation. The agency's findings are never published. But these data inform some of the Kremlin's most important policymaking. For example, fairly recently, FSO polls showing rising national discontent reportedly influenced the Putin administration's decision to expedite the reopening of Moscow and the rollback of the coronavirus quarantine measures there in the capital. The FSO isn't the Russian state's only sociological enterprise either. There's also the state-owned Tsum or the Public Opinion Research Center, and then there's FOM, 
the Public Opinion Foundation, a nonprofit organization that works primarily with the Kremlin. Now, in this matrix of different polling agencies, the FSO's work is considered to have a more conservative bias, and its polling, and especially its analysis and interpretations, are more pessimistic on average. Whether that's because their methodology is flawed or their institutional philosophy is skewed, that's a matter of debate. But multiple sources assured Medusa that the Putin administration puts a lot of trust in the FSO's polling, which is reason enough to say that it shapes, in parts at least, how Putin sees Russia. I would differentiate couple of levels of using this data. First one is instrumental. When uh, the governmental decisions are either taken or calibrated upon the results of uh, public opinion polls, and in this sense, the government use uh, all this data quite heavily, uh, both on uh, federal level, regional levels. So it's uh, an, an instrument. That's Denis Volkov, the deputy director at the Levada Center in Moscow. The Levada Center is an independent sociological institute that I didn't mention in my introduction. The group has actually been designated as a so-called foreign agent in Russia, but we'll get to that a bit later. I asked Dennis how he thinks polling data influence state policymaking in Russia. Now, he reminded me that he's not a government insider, but he agreed graciously to speculate. At uh, another level, I would say, uh, elite level, uh, with the decision makers, I would say... uh, they tend to uh, mistrust uh, public opinion polls. My idea is that they don't understand how to uh, use them. Uh, they don't understand uh, how to make uh, use of their public published information for, for their use, I mean, their personal uh, use, because they're, well, people as anyone else. And in Russia, with this rather narrow sphere of public expertise, with narrowing sphere of independent uh, media, when you quite often don't know where to turn to for uh, information, where to get this public information. And th- in this sense, they tend to mistrust sociology. There's a tendency to not to trust it, to, to say that it's all uh, uh, crap, right? It's, uh, well... Uh, and also because uh, uh, analytics are few, because uh, many are uh, also politically engaged in uh, one way or another. There's those who try to make themselves useful, and uh, in this sense, they, they bend the analysis in a certain ways to uh, please the authorities. At the uh, other poll, the well, public experts that quite often they try to please their audience. And the audience can be very opposition-minded. And uh, in this sense, these experts also try to to bend the the facts. And uh, in the middle, there are very few experts who can, uh, well, have courage to accept the figures and accept the facts that they got and uh, try to explain it. Uh, So it's a a challenge, I would say, in Russia. First of all, the Russian states collects like a lot of information, but it seems that the state agencies don't really know what what to do with them properly. 
So, and it's been the problem with the Soviet Union when the Soviet statistics or agencies were collecting just zillions of tons of, you know, of very strange and awkward uh, data, like how many hairdressers are in a certain district or a certain area and something like that. So, but still, what are you going to do with that? That's Margarita Zavadskaya, a researcher at the University of Helsinki and the European University in St. Petersburg. Some of her recent work has tried to explain bad governance in Russia and political blame attribution in authoritarian regimes. I asked her about criticisms of the Federal Protective Service's polling, particularly concerns about the agency's methodology and supposed conservative bias. first challenge is actually how they interpret the data they have. I assume that these people are not fools and they're really familiar, I mean, at least some of them, so how to carry out a proper research and how to organize fieldwork. But these 45,000 respondents sounds very suspicious because usually it's like 2,000 is more than enough. So usually to decrease the margin of error, you just really, you know, sometimes it's even enough to have 100 respondents for certain surveys and for certain studies. You don't really need to spend so much money on that. So my first suspicion was, of course, maybe it's just to, you know, for non-specialists or for people who work in, you know, in the government. So it's much easier to explain. So you see, we have huge numbers. Our results are extremely reliable. Or another hunch which came to my mind, maybe they just, you know, spending this money on something else, like Olga Karayev or someone from Nevada mentioned. Maybe this research hasn't been hasn't been ever done, so it just doesn't exist. And this actually came up when I was talking to Dennis Volkov as well. The FSO's apparently enormous survey samples. He has a theory about this. Maybe I have an answer that it's uh, they try to have representative figures for every region, for example. So 85 regions in Russia. So to have representative figures, you must have at least 500 for each region. So for the Russia as a whole, you will have a pretty big sample in this uh, circumstances. But Margarita pointed out that the FSO faces stiff competition from other state pollsters, and it does what it must to stand out to earn the Kremlin's attention, if not in the raw numbers it collects, than in its sociological analysis. There's so much at stake, and this is why maybe these guys, you know, they like, you know, fortune teller or a palm reader. So they just show the same palm lines, but they always have to say something more, something which is accessible only to them. This is why all these strange things in interpretation of the data. For instance, there is a governor and his or her rating fell down, and this is because of some conflict between businessman A and businessman D. So, of course, it doesn't really stem from the data, but they have to survive and approve their actual competence. So it's it's a little bit of, you know, like throwing dust into other people's eyes. Is it possibly fair to say that a lot of Russian officials, there's a high demand for sociological research because it's deemed to sort of be a insight into which way the public sympathy is blowing or something like that. But there's possibly not great literacy. And so the researchers working for the FSO or for really any kind of outlet that's working for the state is then kind of a hostage of that ignorance. And they have to, they then have to couch what they're saying as, as magic or something like that. Or Well, the way I saw it maybe was a little bit of a, um, of a stretch, <laughs> so to speak, but that was my yeah, first impression. I mean, all, all kinds of expert knowledge needs some, you know, Fancy packaging, of course, we always, I mean, experts, I mean, people who really sell the data, we want to look not just smarter, but we always want to have add something up to the things we show to others. So it's, it's, it's just part of the business. So I think it's, 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 it's not a typical Russian thing, but 
when it comes to these situations, I think they really suffer maybe from some methodological issues. As far as we know, so the the way the data are collected, I mean, this abrupt you know, excerpts of information that leak to us. So it seems that they do experience some issues, but on, not, on the other hand, they really have strong incentives to actually manipulate with this data and to con- consistently present them in a certain way because it's just a question of political survival. So, again, there is so much at stake. Denis Volkov also says that agenda-driven sociology is very common in Russia for the state and for some opposition groups, though he argues that his organization, the Levada Center, does its best to stay objective, which he says is best achieved through transparency. On some occasions, the Levada Center has even been able to compel other pollsters to release data that they'd been sitting on. If they're working for the state, they're not allowed to publish the results because like in every uh, business, uh, uh, those who order the survey, they have the results and they can uh, ban uh, releasing them. But they often do release the polls, right? So Yes, they, they do, but I would say they only release uh, the results they're allowed to release. And quite often you will not uh, find uh, the results on some political uh, issues before a Levada Center publishes uh, uh, the the results. Then they, of course, I mean, go and publish because, well, there is no uh, no mystery about it anymore. Uh, and actually, actually, I would say it is the same with, uh, for example, Navalny Foundation. They were also doing some uh, public opinion polls on uh, Constitution, and they also released the results only after we uh, published. So in this sense, we are in the middle. So these these bodies are uh, related to politics. They're agenda-driven, you'd say. Yeah, and um, there are uh, many uh, smaller firms, smaller organizations who do public opinion polls, but they try to stay low on the radars and uh, not to uh, publish the results, just not, not to uh, have troubles with the authorities, uh, whether they work with authorities or not. It's just uh, not always uh, good to be public about these results. Margarita Zavadskaya agrees that Russia is home to many intrepid sociologists, but she says it's not as easy as she'd like to find researchers who have mastered what she calls modern techniques of data collection. Sometimes it's very challenging to find someone in Russia in the field who, who is really familiar with modern techniques of how data is supposed to be collected or what the quality research should really look like. So, and Levada and I think FOM are one of the most reputable agencies. So there are some, uh, some smaller agencies who are, that are familiar with, uh, I would say, international standards of data collection. But again, so sometimes if you really want to run an experimental research, which is a big deal for me personally, so I'm not just asking people certain questions, but usually we really want to expose our respondents to certain treatments and see how they react in a randomized manner. So this provides us with like a more, I would say, causal leverage, causal inference, so to speak. Can you give me an example of a study like that? For instance, what just to give you an example, you can ask a person just to provide a news message. So this news message is very positive or apologetic of Vladimir Putin's actions. So what do you think about it? And you can also randomize the source of the message. For instance, a state aid, you know, um, TV channel or a Echo Moskvi, like one of the more or less opposition 
radio stations, media outlets, and then say how, see how people react to further questions. For instance, how they, where they are approved of the government and other things. So we did something very similar when we were studying the rally around the flag effect after the Crimean annexation in 2014. So when we found out, were quite interesting results. So people do really react to these messages, and then they slightly change their opinion. You can do that using some kind of computer interface? That's the ideal situation, yeah. But Levada and other agencies, they're using their tablets. They physically go to somebody and put a tablet in front of them? or Yeah, that's, that's how it works. Door to door? Yeah, yeah. And you can even people exposed to some visual information. It costs more, but it's worth doing. Margarita also says the market for polling on non-political issues is far more vibrant in Russia. There is a number of private companies like who, who do some marketing research and something, so in the private sector, but these guys usually try not to mess up with political issues. So as long as you're interested in politics, they just, it's my personal experience, they just say, oh, okay, so you're asking about, you know, trust in government. Uh, we just don't want to go there. So that's it. So it's, they just cut all the possibilities to go any further. So that's how it works. Thinking about this aversion to politics in Russian public polling, I asked Denis Volkov if there are any ways around this. Are there tricks that sociologists in Russia can use to circumvent potential fears about answering overtly political questions? Like, are, are sociologists able to ask questions that don't appear to be political, but that they can then apply to political analysis? Well, there are certain uh, tricks that uh, sociologists try to use. I'm not sure that all of them work. I mean, uh, try to misguide uh, people about your, your goal and so on. I, I don't think this works. Uh, I think it's more about uh, building trust between the respondent and the interviewer and also building the questionnaire in a such way that uh, the questions uh, you ask they seem, uh, when it's uh, logically fine, quite often people just don't, don't mind answering even, uh, well, political, political questions, because quite often, and ordinary people, not maybe on the top level, elite level, where people, uh, they have much to lose answering, uh, uh, speaking their mind. With ordinary people, they're not that afraid of answering because, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, for them. And they have their opinions quite often on many issues. Now, the Levada Center's current status, are they registered as a foreign agent or what is the status now for the Levada Center? Yes, we are registered uh, as a foreign agent since I think 2016. And do you have to do you have to tell respondents that when you call them up? No, or is, no. Or is that no? That's some that goes on the website or on something. Yeah, like that. website uh, and um, on publications. Actually, we try to figure out how many our respondents know about it. A couple of years ago, we were asking these questions. It was about one percent uh, of our respondents that they knew about Levada Center, uh, with people coming uh, on focus groups uh, in Moscow. Quite often they, they know because they try to find out uh, where they're going. But when it's just a public opinion poll, face-to-face -face or telephone, well, there's, uh, well, people are not aware of who we are. I assume that if 
if you were if you were forced to tell every respondent that it would make it a lot more difficult to establish that like bond of trust you were describing earlier. Mm, of course. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Has in, has the Levada Center suffered from from having been designated with that label? Well, we, uh, yes, we were uh, well fined, rather big fine, um, several thousand uh, dollars in rubles, of course. Uh, we have restrictions in uh, publishing the results uh, of the electoral uh, research during electoral campaigns. And uh, there's also, I would say, a lack of access to state funding. Quite often, uh, well, if you try to work with the governmental bodies, quite, uh, quite often they would uh, not like to work with us. And as uh, the state sector is very big in Russia, it is a kind of a problem. Medusa spoke to a few sociologists who say that the polling methodology that they're aware of, because obviously no one's totally sure except for the people who are doing it, and they're not commenting to journalists about it, but that they they believe that the FSO's polling methodology looks to be fairly weak. Does that assessment sound accurate to you? Like, what's, what, I guess, like, g- generally, like, what's your take of, of what we know about the FSO's polling? The main problem with this uh, uh, method, it's that it is closed. With our method, everyone can understand how we get our figures. And also, well, we, in a, in a sense, check what Zoom and Form uh, are doing. They are checking what we are doing and publishing. So we check each other. And in this end, also many uh, experts who just try to look into our figures, understand them, and also they're critical uh, about what we are doing. And actually, this helps us to maintain the level of quality of uh, our results, both we, bigger firms and uh, other institutions. So in this sense, this uh, openness helped to ensure the quality of the survey. Uh, when it is the methodology is closed, no one have access to it. Uh, it's a, a big, uh, a big problem because always there are some problems, there are mistakes, and if you do not have access to this information, you will never know there are these mistakes and uh, problems. And in this, in this sense, I, I, well, I think that in Faso, uh, no fools are working. They're, well, I, I believe they're good professionals because they, well, <laughs> have this, uh, well, a status. Uh, but uh, without this uh, public expertise, always the quality suffers. Asked about state-run polling at SOM and FOM, Margarita told me something similar, arguing that sociologists working for the Russian authorities are no dummies. They're merely trying to make the best of a bad situation, she says. They are hostage of their own situation. So on, on the first hand, they cannot really publish certain things because they have the state as the, the main source of funding. But on the other hand, they cannot really do like a complete, I would say, rubbish because they still have reputation of, of, of an agency. And there are several great specialists working in there. So and it's always very difficult to strike the balance. So they just trying, you know, their best to circumvent all these challenges. You've been listening to The Naked Pravda, an English-language podcast from Medusa. On today's show, we heard about the state of sociology and public opinion polling from Denis Volkov, the deputy director at the Levada Center in Moscow, 
and Margarita Zavadskaya, a researcher at the University of Helsinki and the European University in St. Petersburg. The basis for this episode is a recent Medusa report on secret survey work by Russia's Federal Protective Service and how the agency's numbers influence Kremlin policymaking. The Naked Pravda is a podcast from Medusa, our first English language show, and I hope you'll recommend us to your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in to help put this program in front of more people. Thank you for listening and come back soon.